Men have two roles. One, they have to learn how to manage their addiction. Two, they need to make their partner feel safe. Dear young married couple, have you been through a betrayal that had to do with sex addiction or pornography? This episode is specifically for you or for those who help people through sex addiction and pornography. And we're not just talking to the spouse who broke trust or the betrayed spouse. We're talking to the couple as well. Um, There are considerations for not just the individuals, but the couple themselves. Yeah, it actually is a very or it can be an arduous process of working toward reconciliation. And there are a lot of potholes. And today we talk with Eddie Caparucci about where to look for those potholes and where people tend to um, have a difficult time working toward trust again. Yeah, Dr. Caparucci holds a PhD. He's a licensed professional counselor. He has lots of master's degrees as well. He's a sex addictions counselor and an author. We have used his books in our work quite extensively. We trust him. One of my favorite books on pornography addiction. So you're in for some very helpful information in this interview. Welcome Dr. Eddie Caparucci to the podcast. We're so happy you would join us. Well, I'm happy to be here. I'm glad you guys invited me. I'm really looking forward to our discussion today. And I hope that, you know, your listeners are going to get a lot out of what we're going to talk about. For sure. We have gotten so much from your materials. We've assigned your materials to our couples and individuals and porn recovery groups over the years. And we are so grateful for your contributions in the field. Um, Today, we're not just going to talk about porn recovery, but we're going to discuss healing the marriage after betrayal. This is an area that's um, almost untouched in the literature. Um, There's a lot of work on healing from porn, but not so much on the marriage. Yeah, there's a lot. There's also a lot that's been written for uh, how to heal from betrayal. Uh-huh. So you have that. So from an individual standpoint, there there are a lot of materials that are out there. Okay, you need it behind me. Okay, yes. But coupleship, which has now become like the term that mm-hmm. that is being used here, that is really only been in the last couple of years that you know we're starting to look at that because when um, someone suffered betrayal, and I'm going to use the pronouns him, he, she, her, because I work with men yeah. who betrayed. So therefore, when I talk about the betrayer, I'm talking about men. Yeah. However, we know women sure. can also betray, mm-hmm. right? But um, what we've seen is that, you know, we have all of this train of this um, recovery work for men. Mm-hmm. And then over here in this silo are the women who are recovering from the betrayal. Well, there's very little crossover that goes on. So they're doing their own individual work. And what I think we're seeing and what we're at least what we believe we're seeing is that they're in their own silos. They're also drawing apart more. Mm. Yeah, I've seen that. Yes. So we need to find a way because you have to be cautious. You can't bring them together at the very beginning right? because that's not going to work. Because if you look at couple work, you know, that's supposed to be about reconciliation and we're not talking about reconciliation. Mm -hmm. So what we need is a different type of couple work Mm -hmm. where one, we're, we're doing a lot of education where we're teaching the betrayed spouse about why did this happen? How did this all come to be? Right. We're teaching the betrayer about betrayal trauma mm-hmm. and what the spouse is going through mm-hmm. and the different problem. Because again, it's like, wait a second, why do we have to keep talking about this? We talk about it every day. We talk about it for an hour and a half, two hours, sometimes four hours a day. When does it end? Yeah. Right. It ends when the betrayal, that the uh, sense of that betrayal start to desensitize and men have to understand that this is all new territory for both individuals. Right. And they're in completely separate emotional states. He's often quite relieved to get it all on the table. My secret is out. 
and she's just had her world thrown for a loop and yes. is somebody, shocked and devastated. Somebody, um, I forgot who it was, they coined the phrase that, you know, your past is my present. Uh -huh. When we're talking about the betrayed, betrayed woman. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. You've been through it. You know what happened. You understand it. Well, guess what? It's now me and I'm dealing with this. And again, that is a big problem because guys jump into therapy and those who really are dedicated to learn and understand, again, especially going back to my inner child model, which goes back to what are those um, unresolved childhood pain points that we can't deal with pain. We don't know how to sit with discomfort. People mm -hmm. have addictive brains, but mm -hmm. we find ways to distract ourselves. When they dive into that work and they start, it's like they have all these aha moments. Mm -hmm. It's like, now I know yes. why I've done what I've done. So now they're like, honey, look at me. Look. <laughs> I'm a new man. Like this. You like this <laughs> guy? And she goes, are you kidding me? Because I'm bleeding over here. Right. And you're sitting here, you know, and touting what you've learned and how, how, how you, and you know, so therefore we have to tone them down to guys, let's not flaunt what we're doing. Just, you know, remember her pain takes a lot longer to heal mm -hmm. than his recovery in wow. being able to understand why have I done what I've done and then also being able to manage that. Hey guys, we've got an exciting announcement that's bound to set your hearts on fire. As you know, we believe in the kind of relationships where conversations about sensitive topics like sex and intimacy can happen with ease. But after conversations and sessions with so many of you, we know that people carry barriers and misconceptions about these topics. And it's often rooted in childhood or personal beliefs about the Bible and sex. But don't you worry, we have something incredible coming your way. It's time to take your marriage to a whole new level. Introducing the Eros Conference. Eros, derived from the Greek word for erotic love, is the passionate, sensual, and romantic love that fuels the fire of intimacy between a husband and wife. It's the kind of love that intensifies with selflessness and diminishes with selfishness. It's a love that reflects our creator. God uses marriage and sexuality as a parallel to demonstrate his love to the church. And we're here to help you understand that connection on a deeper level. So mark your calendars and get ready for an experience like no other. The Eros Conference is coming to three convenient locations in 2024. And trust me, you want to be there. First up, join us in Indianapolis on January 26th through 27th, 2024. It's gonna be a memorable start to the year. Or if you want a hot summer vacay, pack your bags and head to the Gulf Coast. On June 21st and 22nd, 2024, we'll be in Biloxi, Mississippi. And finally, we're wrapping up our year in Houston on November 1st and 2nd, 2024. It's going to be a Texas-sized experience. <laughs> All right, guys. So don't waste time. Your marriage deserves the best. And the Eros Conference is where it all begins. At Eros, we're going to bring you biblically-based and scientifically sound tools. So join us because it's time to strengthen your emotional and sexual intimacy and feel more connected than ever. Just click the link in the show notes to register. We'll see you there. Let's walk through uh, maybe just a fictitious couple that would come into your office. Let's say he's done work and now he is, you know, he's sober. He hasn't looked at pornography. I don't know where you would want to start, but he's feeling relieved and she's devastated. Maybe it's at the very beginning. Um, maybe he, she was just let into the work that he's been doing. Um, but how, how would you begin to start bringing them to a place of reconciliation? Where, where does, and where do people hit those potholes that are just, right? You know? Well, well, the whole idea about bringing them to reconciliation cannot happen until the person who's been betrayed feels like the pain that she's endured has been desensitized and more importantly, she has seen consistency from him yeah. in his behaviors over time. Not just the fact that he's no longer acting out, mm -hmm. 
but he is now more emotionally engaged. He's connected. He's attuned. He has empathy. He understands and can express his emotions and feelings. Nine out of 10 men I've found in my research over the years are emotional, who suffer with an addiction, are emotionally undeveloped. Mm. They don't know what they really feel. They can tell you if they're angry, if they're sad, if they're happy, if they're fearful. They can't really tell you what they feel. They're afraid to express their emotions Mm -hmm. because, again, they got the message somewhere along the line. It's not safe to do that. They have no idea what the word empathy means. Mm -hmm. Okay? They think it's just sympathy. Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, I do feel bad. I feel bad for you. Um, They have a major problem when someone is sharing their emotions, like a betrayed spouse, that what happens is they start to get overwhelmed with their feeling, like, oh, what a horrible person I am. Oh, I can't believe I've done this to you. And she's sitting here and she's saying, when does this become about you, about me? So... When she sees those changes, and that's why I talk about in my book, you know, why men struggle to love, the idea that being sober is not enough. Right. She had to see that. Then you can start doing that reconciliation. Mm-hmm. You know, Adam, if we bring her, if we bring that couple in at that point that you're talking about, mm-hmm. what we're doing then is one, making sure he fully understands what betrayal trauma is. Yeah. What does it look like? How long is this going to go on? Mm -hmm. We're setting his expectations. Could you set those expectations for the people? Because I think that that's, we don't really talk about it. It's kind of like, he needs to go do work. And then she's just going to wait on the sidelines until he becomes a new guy. And no, that's not, that's, that (laughs) that can't happen. Right. There are many, there are many women who are reluctant, they don't want to get into therapy. They don't want to join a group because they're sitting here and saying, this is not my problem. Right. I did not do this. I shouldn't be sitting on your couch. Why am I here? <coughs> and what we need to explain to them is you are suffering from probably one of the most painful things that ever, ever happened to you. Mm. And if you do not process through that, with anything else but except what goes on between your ears, mm-hmm. you are going to struggle for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because they need to be able to walk through those stages of grief with someone who understands those stages of grief. Because the stages of grief yes. are not just linear. Mm-hmm. They are all over the place. Yes. So, exactly. mm, well, okay, so let me just play the, the devil for just a second or his advocate, but doesn't time heal? Like, you know, it's, you know, let's just keep on going. And he's, he's porn free. He tells me, and (laughs) I'm sure you hear this, right? If that was the case, if time healed all wounds, then you know what? Addiction rate would be down dramatically to nothing. Because if you look at, again, what are the drivers of addiction, it is the unresolved childhood pain point, the inability to sit with emotional discomfort, but we're never taught. So I learned to distract myself. As a child, I do it with food, television, sugar, now video games, phones, internet, you know, all of that. I don't have to sit with my pain until... I'm done with that, and now I come back to reality, All right? So if, it, if that was true, and it's not true, that we, we the world would be a lot better off. Yeah. But, and, and really, you know, Gaber Mate, who is a really well-known <laughs> um, trauma psychologist, he wrote a, bit, a book called the, um, the Myth of Normal. And in it, he has the most amazing definition of trauma. Mm. And what he says is trauma is not the event that you suffered. Mm-hmm. Trauma is what you made that event to be. Right. Because that trauma, if it's really the event, mm-hmm. it never goes away. 
and it will never heal. It'll always be there. However, the trauma is what I made it to be, and that can be healed at any time. Yeah. And that to me is so profound, so true. And that's what we try to do in these cases because these women are going through trauma. These men who have created that betrayal have gone through their trauma. We do mm. more trauma work than anything else. People won't yeah. think that. They think, oh, okay, so because it's all about sex. It's nothing about sex. Right. right. Yeah. So you said nine out of 10 men who suffer with an addiction are emotionally undeveloped. How do yes. they start working on that emotional development? Yes. So, well, I've identified 14 what I call blind spots. Okay. And those are the things that we were not taught when we were younger how to do. For example, one is curiosity and not curiosity about things, curiosity about people. Mm. Okay. Be able to sit and go deeper have that conversation. You know, tell me about what was the most painful thing you went through when you were younger, you know? or They don't do that. They can't because it will cause them anxiety as the person is sharing, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, two, they can't, as I mentioned to you before, identify what, they're, what they feel. So now we have to do work with them to help them understand that, you know what, there's more than five emotions. <laughs> right. There's more than five emotions. There, yeah. there are many different degrees of all of those and help them start to not just identify, put word to it, mm -hmm. because that's what didn't happen. When they were growing up, they'd be upset and angry about something or, or crying of a child. And instead of somebody saying, what's going on? And then being able to say, oh, I think what you're feeling is you're disappointed. Mm -hmm. Instead, it was shut up, stop, I'll give you something to cry about. Yeah. Right. So or eat this. Never, <laughs> right, right. You don't figure out what is it that I'm that I'm really feeling. Mm -hmm. So you have something like that. You have the fact that they're inwardly focused. Okay. Because once again, we go back to the emotional pain they've suffered. I don't know what to do with this emotional pain. I have to figure everything out myself. Mm -hmm. So they become inward with folks. So now we're teaching them, no, you need to be looking out. Because one of the biggest things we see with the trauma is that women get very upset because their amygdala, which is part of the brain that is store, the storage unit of, you know, emotional pain and pleasure. Yeah. Well, it's on fire. Mm -hmm. And so therefore your prefrontal cortex is offline mm -hmm. and they are just hostile. That's what it looks like. It looks like hostility. Yeah. But these guys, like he, we have to teach them to say, no, don't see the hostility. See her pain. Mm -hmm. See her little girl. And they're like, no, no, I'm not. This is too much for me. It's way over. And mm -hmm. they want to run away or they want to shut her down. Mm. Yeah, so those, those are the things. I try to walk them through the 14 blind spots. They don't have all 14. Most people have anywhere between like uh, seven, nine. And then we try, I have antidotes for them for each of those. It is a long process. Yes, yeah. long as in years. Yeah, how long would you say that initial um, you know, period of treatment would be until reconciliation can actually be in the, in the purview? Right. It varies. You know, I wish I had a, a finite answer for you. Yeah. I, however, what we've seen, if we look at numbers, we're talking about anywhere from 18 months to five years. And people don't realize that. They're like, okay, we'll go to therapy. We'll go once or twice or maybe six sessions. And then you'll forgive me. Just forgive yeah. me. All right? I messed up. What can I tell you? I'm sorry. I wish I could go back and, and change it. I can't yes. just move on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not possible. And, and that's, again, so important that we set expectations for everyone of how does this look? What's the playing field? Mm -hmm. What are you going to be dealing with? What are those potholes along the way? Yeah. They need to know what those are. Yeah. Because, again, they get blindsided constantly. Mm -hmm. We'll be right back to the episode, but we want to share a word from our sponsor. 
OCD is more than what you see in the media and on social. Imagine having unwanted thoughts about your relationships stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away. That's relationship OCD. It comes with unrelenting, intrusive images, thoughts, and urges about your partner or loved one. Breaking the OCD cycle takes effective treatment. Go to nocd.com to get evidence-based treatment. That's nocd.com. Yeah, I love how you drew out in that last example of kind of that the man getting impatient of like, look, I wish I could just, you know, not have done that, but you know, I'm a different guy and and not, and really refusing to sit with her pain. It, 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 because really it's triggering for him and he doesn't know how to hold her pain because he doesn't know how to hold his own pain. Right. How, how do you start to slow that process down with that couple and help him start seeing it's not about you here, dude. It, you just hit on the most frustrating part of this entire process because what is at the heart of that? And this is one of my blind spots, fear. I'm going to be in trouble. I'm not going to get it right. I'm going to make a mistake. That's what's at the heart of all of that. And trying to get these men to be able to understand, look, the fear is normal. There's nothing wrong with being afraid. But you need to learn how to hold on to your fear and move forward despite it. And to understand so that you can demonstrate and prove that you can be there for her because you weren't there for her in the past. This is one of the things she needs to see in the changes of behavior in order to say, you know what? I feel safe. Mm -hmm. Men have two roles. Those who betray have two. One, they have to learn how to manage their addiction. Okay. And that's what we do. We manage. There's no cure. We're managing it. Mm -hmm. Two, they need to make their partner feel safe. First and foremost, it is the thing I drill into (laughs) everyone's head over and over and over again. Every action that you take or inaction, I have to even tell them, write this down. Every action or inaction, how will this action or inaction impact, for example, my wife, Carrie? How's it going to impact her? Every single decision. I know I'm supposed to stop along the way. I have to stop and get something at the store. She thinks I'm coming right home from work. Hey, let me send her a text. Hey, I'm making a stop. Mm -hmm. Need anything. Right. Every single decision. They they struggle to do it. They do. We call it an over demonstration of trustworthiness to try to help them realize to go, to go above and beyond. And we distinguish between the positive reassurance and the negative reassurance. We found that a lot of couples or a lot of men will will tend to that negative reassurance of like, Hey, I'm not watching porn anymore. And they think that's the type of reassurance that the spouse needs. Right. Well, they need that, but they need a lot more than that. Exactly. Yes. I go back to when I, when I, the whole concept of, you know, being sober is not enough hit me probably about 10 years ago. It was from a spouse who said to me, she said, you know, he says he's sober for 18 months. You feel like he's doing really well. I think he may be well too in that area, but you know what? He still comes home and pretty much ignores me and the kids. Mm. He still carries his phone around when I tell him I don't want him to. He's totally mindless about different dates and things that we want. All these things that he used to do before. Yep. Okay. He's still doing today. Mm. And the only thing that supposedly has changed about him is that he's no longer doing porn. Mm -hmm. So you change that one behavior, but you can't change everything. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't just trust him. Right. And, and she's right. He's right. And kind of like the light went on and said, oh, you know what? Being sober is not enough. We need the transformation of the heart 
and I mean, I'm true. I'm talking about the true <coughs> transformation of the heart, mm. where God drives that process yes. in a man yeah. that he had put back on the pathway of sanctification That's right. to learn to become more Christ-like. Mm. That's what he it. Does. So good. Yeah. How mm. how do you how do you help men honestly analyze their life? to see those, those places that they're still being idiots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, we go through, well, as, as you know, there's a lot of programs that have been out there, 12 steps that do things like that. For me, what I do is again with the, I have 12 in my inner child model, there are 12 children that mm -hmm. I identify. Each of those children have a particular pain point. Yeah. So, for example, the unaffirmed child, the unnoticed, the need for control, the sexually abused. Walk us through like one of those. Um, I don't know, the bored child. Just Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So they see for how instance. it works. Yeah. Oh, how did it work? Okay. You know what? I'll give you a perfect, I'll give you an example okay. of what just happened to me. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Just happened to me. All right. And it doesn't, my kids are pretty, I've been doing these kids for a long time. So my kids are pretty well under control. Yeah. I was at a retreat and I was supposed to speak. I was like the last speaker that night of the ending, the closing. And the, the guy who was running it, the um, associate pastor who was running it, you know, he's standing, he's looking at me, talking about, you know, this was a great weekend, this and that, everything that happened. Hope you guys all have a great trip home and that you're safe. Mm. Like, what happened? Because you, you hadn't spoken yet? No, I didn't speak. <laughs> Oops. I didn't speak. And I mean, and he's looking at me, he's smiling, this and that. And my unnoticed child. Uh became unhinged wow and i'm sitting there and i can just feel my anxiety and it's all based around anxiety okay anxiety is rising i'm thinking all the effort and time i put into this to do this and i'm not gonna talk tonight mm. and i see my senior pastor of the church who knew i was supposed to talk makes a beeline, I mean, a beeline to, <laughs> to say, hey, bye-bye. And, and I like, I ignore that, I kind of walk away, and the guy comes running over to me, the pastor. I am so sorry. I forgot. I, I go, you forgot? <laughs> okay, the tone is starting. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And he goes, yeah, I go, I go, you're staring right at me, man. Right, right here. I know. I just and and I go, we're cool. I start walking away. He put his hand here, and I was like, I just I looked down at it. Mm -hmm. and I looked at him. I said, we're good. And he was like, mm -hmm. and walked away. Now, see, acting out doesn't always have to be dealing with something like sexual sin or whatever. Sure, that was a different type of acting out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. So I went, I sat, I thought about it with the inner child model. What we do, we go with, okay, what do I feel? And I take all my emotions, all my feelings. I feel dismissed. I feel invisible. I feel unnoted. I feel chipped. I feel like, you know, yep. he mm -hmm. just, ah, okay. Yes. What I feel. A lot of very adolescent kind of feelings. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Right. And now I move it over to, but what is real? Mm. I'm not, I'm not, I am noticed. Yeah. I probably noticed too much, actually. <laughs> God definitely notices me constantly. Mm. But you know what? More importantly, this weekend is not about me. Mm. It's about him. 
he made a mistake. Yeah. He made a mistake. We all make mistakes. Am I still disappointed? Yes, I am disappointed. But this is, I have to show my Christ-like heart. Yeah. Despite. Wow. And that is the approach of the inner child model. To be able to do that. Guys do that when they're starting to feel the temptation. Why do I feel temptation? Why do I feel that I had a client earlier today? His wife was gone away on a retreat. It was the weekend. He had just got back from a major conference where he got major kudos about what he had been doing. And they invited him to participate in something else that they're going to be doing in a church. And he was like so excited about all of it. But then all of a sudden, the feelings of, oh, you know what? You're not good enough to do this. You know what? You're going to mess this up. Mm -hmm. You know, do they realize that you're really a fraud? All his inner child was bringing all of these feelings in. Mm -hmm. Then what he did, he started, he's trying to distract himself. He doesn't want to sit with these, right? People who have addiction can't sit with emotion. Mm -hmm. So therefore, he thought, oh, what? He starts having these fantasies. Mm -hmm. Sexual fantasies start to pop in. Fortunately for him, what he did, he went back to his inner child model, said, no, 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 we're not doing this. Uh, let me sit with this pain for a little while. He went through it, and then he said, okay, what is real? Mm-hmm. And he got it down to, you know what? No, I, I, they were very complimentary. They know I can do this. I am really good at it. In fact, you know what? I'm going to go call one of my accountability partners nice. and run this by him. And after that, the rest of the weekend, he was fine. So again, we have to, we are haunted, Mm -hmm. all of us, by things from our past. Right. We go back to the point you were bringing up before, Adam, the idea that, you know what, does it it go away? No, it doesn't. It can desensitize, but it doesn't go away. So we have to be able to manage it as it pops up along the way. So anyway, I hope maybe that gives you a sense no, of... That is so good. So good. So what would it look like for, let's say, couples doing really good and then um, she's triggered and now he looks over to his, his wife and is like, oh no, you know, here we go. <laughs> here we go. This is, this, again, a major factor because we don't know when triggers will come up. Yeah. They come up for some reason that you would be like, are you kidding me? You were triggered by that? Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, she was. Okay. As I tell men constantly, is the idea that there's another storm coming. Yeah. And you need to be prepared. Do not be blindsided. Because normally what will happen is we'll see a woman will go, you know, a couple days, maybe a few weeks, everything seems so calm. Well, it's calm on the surface. Mm. Underneath is like this. Yes. That's what's going on. Yeah. It's there. It's still there. Mm-hmm. Haven't gone away. And then something triggers her. Yeah. And here we are. And again, we at that point expectations are so important. He needs to know. A storm can come at any moment. Yeah. And it's frustrating. I understand it's frustrating. We just spent all this money on these tickets to you know, the beautiful concert and we're there. Yes. And all of a sudden you're, you know, she gets upset about the woman who comes out in this short little skirt. Yes. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, she's standing up and she's walking out into the lobby. Yeah. And he better make sure he's getting up and following her out there. There you go. Why? Why? Because he need to be, again, demonstrate, you know what, while I may want to sit here and watch this and enjoy it, you are more important to me. Mm-hmm. And what you're going through is all that matters. Yeah. And I am here for you. And that's why I encourage men to do what I call walk into the fire. So the, during those times when everything is rather calm, okay, to go and say, hey, you know what? You look like you've had a couple good days. However, I'm sure the pain I've caused you is still there. I know it's still there. Would you like to tell me what's been going on? 
And that's so counterintuitive because yeah. they just oh, want to keep like, the don't peace. Don't rock the boat. Yeah. I think I, think I get more guys who want to walk away at that point and say, what are you out of your mind? Yeah. Like, do you realize the message you send? Yeah. Of course, I mean, what message are you sending there? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to drag you through this. Mm. I understand you're still hurting. I'm willing to be here with you in your pain. Right. That is what they want to see and is what men do not deliver enough. Yes. And, and that's why the period go too long in recovery. Right. And, and that's because they've, the old them, the old man couldn't hold pain. And so what yeah. you're demonstrating is if you're willing to walk into that fire of your own free will on a perfectly good Saturday where you could have a, day without it being triggered, but you willingly walk into the fire, you're sending the message, I'm becoming a different man that can hold pain. Exactly. And that's what they need to see different. That's right. They have to be. Other than that, what else is there? It's just them believing you saying, I'm not doing that. Well, you know, eight out of 10 times, Wives have asked in the past and said, wait a second, something's off here. Something's wrong. What, what's going on? Nothing. Nothing going on. Everything's fine. No, no. There's something. No, you're, that's your imagination. Yeah. You're just crazy. There's nothing wrong. I think you, know, you really got to calm down. Mm-hmm. So they've already been told they're wrong. Yeah, that's the negative reassurance. But when you come with, here's how I'm helping with emotional containment and attunement, well, all of a sudden, it's it's that positive reassurance. Here's how I'm becoming the man that won't that's, look at porn. That's exactly right. And then mm-hmm. that, and once the guy gets that through his head and realizes, oh, it is about the heart. Mm-hmm. It is about the heart. It's not about actions and doing. Yeah. It's about the way I want to be here for you to heal. You know, you look at these marriages, most of these marriages were not great marriages to begin with, okay? They were, instead of being fully embraced, instead of being fully Catholic with God in the middle, they were very loose. Mm -hmm. Now, they may have looked fine, they may have felt fine in a way, but you know, most women realize there's something off. Mm -hmm. It doesn't connect Mm-hmm. He doesn't know how to connect fully. Right. He thinks he's connecting. He thinks he's really, yeah. you know, there, but he's not. Yep. And then she's like, "Well, I guess this is what I have, and this is the best, and not a whole lot." Or she may even complain about it, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know what to do about it. He's like, "I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, I'm doing what I think a relationship supposed to be. I don't know. I know I went and got your car cleaned the other day." Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that enough for you? What else you want? I bought you flowers last week. So hard to please. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Because they don't know what emotional intimacy is. Right. And this is the other part that really is very troubling is they confuse emotional intimacy with physical intimacy. Uh-huh. So therefore they're pushing that. Let me show you how much I love you by how I can make you feel physically. And, oh, I never feel more loved than when you touch me. Mm-hmm. But that's not the way God designed us to have relationships. We're designed to build a foundation on physical, on, on, on emotional intimacy yeah. and sprinkle physical in to support. I mean, part of why scripture you know, tells us, you know what, refrain from engaging in sexual behaviors, you know, until you get married. Because once you do that, once you go down that path, then all of a sudden you start turning off the emotional mm-hmm. creation and you're more focused there. Right. So therefore we have That's to true. solidify that. And for most of these men, this is like uncharted territory. Yes. It's like emotional what? Emotional <laughs> intimacy? Uh, right. I mean, oh, I'd say I love you. 
Uh, now it's a little bit more than that. You know, it's about a vulnerability. Oh, that's an ugly word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't talk to me about vulnerability. I I can't be vulnerable. Yeah. You know, it makes me feel weak. Mm-hmm. You know, I like, mm-hmm. oh, it'll make you feel more strong than you've ever felt before. That's mm-hmm. right. It'll make you feel, you know, emotions, especially if it's well-received and accepted mm-hmm. that you've never experienced before. So and then you are becoming Christ-like because that's what you know. Christ showed us while he was here too. He's extremely vulnerable, yeah, for things. And you know, we got to wind up being more humble men as we go through and approach all of it. So there's a lot as we've been here, as you've been hearing, there's a lot of moving parts. Yes. A lot when yep. it comes to taking a man who betrayed and a woman who'd been betrayed. And trying not just to heal them individually, but then to bring them back together. But if God is not in the center of that, mm. there are going to be problems and issues yeah. along the way. That's right. So true. So true. Wow. Thank you so much for this. Um, I know that this is going to bless a lot of people. Yeah. And hopefully this is a start to, if you need to relationally heal, Mm -hmm. go look at um, Dr. Eddie Capucci's books. I can't recommend them enough. I've read them all. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) serious, they're they're very, very well written and helpful. We'll link them in the show notes, but could you go ahead and summarize um, what each one is for so people can know which one to get depending on which step, which stage they're in? The, uh, the Going Deeper book, uh, How the Inner Child Impacts Your Sexual Addiction, uh, that was written toward men, for men who are dealing with that struggle. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's helping them to learn why I do what I do. Why do I think, feel, and do what I do? I'm extremely excited to say I've collaborated with two female clinicians. And in December, we have Going Deeper for Women. So those women who are struggling with pornography and sex addiction, that book will now be available to them. And that's on Amazon? That will be up on Amazon. They'll all be on Amazon. Okay. We'll put a pre-order link in the show notes. Yeah, there you go. There's a new book coming out next week. It is Understanding Your Inner Child and Overcoming Addiction, All Addiction. I Mm. collaborated with gentlemen over in London on that who've been using the inner child model uh-huh. work with addictions across the board okay. so that's coming out also my book why men struggle to love mm-hmm. talks about the idea of being sober is not enough and walk them through the 14 blind spots of how they can build more intimacy in their relationship and then finally number five is the um removing your shame label yeah. which that's, that was actually my first book and that was more along the lines of what, for those christians who struggle to really feel god's love mm-hmm. and to help them understand that you know what in many cases it's them projecting upon god mm-hmm. how they feel about themselves so mm-hmm. that, that those are the five we have one more that'll be coming out next spring my wife and i which is going to be a going deeper for the betrayed partner oh good Mm. okay that's fantastic i love that love your resources we will continue to refer to them and i want to put a plug in here too for uh pastors and counselors that are listening um you need these books in your library you are coming across people in your congregation um every service and i mean the numbers are astounding if you look at at the statistics um well over half of your congregation is struggling with addiction of a sexual nature and then you add all the other addictions to it and And all the brokenness that comes out of it exactly so um you know we have a lot of those old school pastors who are their their way of approaching this is forgive and forget and they may nowadays they may allow a little more space in their counsel to, um, for the betrayed partner to feel hurt, but they quickly expect them to get over it. Uh, and so they, they need to educate themselves and become more equipped 
to provide that guidance. So I just wanted to throw that in there that they need to get these resources on board. Yeah. Well, thank you. I think I think you're I think you're right because again, you know, there is no quick. Fortunately, it's not a quick fix, especially because you know some women who've gone who who have been betrayed, they have their past traumas yeah. yep. that have been exacerbated by this circumstance. Mm. Right. Things that they really haven't been focused on, or maybe have never focused mm. on. They buried it, and now it comes screaming up to the top. Right. So now you have that complexity on top of it. So That's yes, right. pastors must be very diligent in how they deal with this. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The, the, as I say too about myself or anyone else, it's about do no harm. Mm-hmm. So if you're not, you know, equipped to do it. Go get the training to get the equipped. There are many organizations that are out there. I'm actually affiliated with some myself. And that's what we're doing. We're trying to help, you know, our our religious leaders so that they can be able to help someone at the beginning stages before they hand them off to someone else to deal with this crisis. Is there a link we can put in the show notes for this organization that you're a part of? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. What's the name of it? It is called Stills, and that is Sexual Integrity Leadership Summit. Hmm. Awesome. And then what it is is designed toward, you know, those religious leaders to help them better understand what is going on in their pews, mm-hmm. as you just mentioned. You know, mm-hmm. the, 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 the statistics are showing up 65, 66% of all men view pornography at least twice a month. And there is no difference between believers and non-believers. That would shock a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. But, but again, they, they, for many reasons, including their own brokenness at times, Mm -hmm. they don't want to bring this topic up. Right. Well, you know what? I mean, it's, it's needed. It has to be brought up because it's impacting not just the men who are using it, is impacting the relationship that they have, and not just with their spouse, but their family. There are so many kids who are now being introduced at the at the age of 11 and 12 to pornography, and there's no one for them to turn to yeah. about this. And they're and what they're doing, we're training our young boys to believe it's okay to objectify little girls, and we're tra- we're training little girls to believe it's okay to be objectified. Right. Right. I mean, like I said, it's a crisis now. It's going to be an epidemic. Yeah. If it hasn't already become one. Right. Oh, yeah. And we have to wake up, especially in our churches. I hear this constantly from people. Mm. We have to wake up in churches. We have to be drilling home this message. Yeah. This is a problem. Mm-hmm. And it's a problem for all, not just men, but also women. And that's why we have expanded this thing out now. Yes, that's so helpful. So many women. Even in the millennial category, the numbers are almost the same for men and yes. women. Yes. Yeah. And, and Gen X, people. I'm sure I, the research is still being done, but... It is. Well, because again, in the last, what, 25, 30 years with the advent of, you know, the internet and just press a button yeah. on your phone, walking around with pornography in our pocket. Right. Yes. Yeah. They're walking around with it. And that's what kids are doing. They're walking yeah. around with it. And then as they see this, what they're doing is they're pressuring other kids to say, oh, let's try this. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're starting for Gen Z. They're starting as early as age eight, some younger, but the average age, I mean, we're seeing it younger and it's younger dropping. now. It is. Yeah. And so therefore, and again, not that it's, we, we've had, you know, the sexual er, uh, experimentation among kids forever okay sure. and it was always a very small problem right today is much larger because the message they're getting is oh this must be okay mm-hmm. right we're seeing it it must be okay yeah. i guess we can do this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and exactly. and then you add on the idea that it's also becoming more and more violent in nature and yes. humiliating yeah. and now you add that element to it Right. And and it's just, it breaks your heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
But what break my heart even more is when people put on a blindfold, mm-hmm. it just pretend it doesn't exist. Right. Because it does. And we're creating all these victims that, you know what? Crap we could have prevented from yeah. happening. Yeah. Yeah. Because that we're seeing, you know, the pain doesn't go away. Right. Mm-hmm. And somewhere it's going to circle back. Mm-hmm. It's going to come out. And it's yeah. not going to be pretty. It's so true. Yeah. Man, I've been telling people, look, even if you don't struggle, get equipped and be assertive with someone who most likely is and be and disciple them, love yeah. them, let them open up to you, be a resource for them right. because that would be, you'd be a godsend to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was so. actually going to be part of my message I was going to talk about on Saturday night. Oh <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, look, you know what? I'm going to sit here and talk to you about whether you're struggling because I know what the numbers are. I want to know what are you doing for your kids mm-hmm. and your grandchildren to talk to them to tell them about the dangers of what this is. Right. And don't be like, oh no, I don't want to put the idea in their head. You know oh, what? Yeah. There's many people out there going to put the idea in their head. Mm-hmm. It's better to come from you. Yes. And there are many resources that are out there if you need help. That's right. And how to be able to do that. Be Broken Ministry does a lot of great work, mm-hmm. especially fathers and sons or grandfathers and sons, you know, virtual summit that they have. That, uh-huh walk through it we can't be embarrassed by this anymore yeah yeah thank you you have to be bold (laughs) courageous amen stand firm to protect our children and this is from three people who have worked with a lot of addiction Mm -hmm. it's not worth being nervous or scared or ashamed about addressing that's right. Thank you so much for the work you're that you've thank done. You. And thank you. You're such a blessing. And I, mm-hmm. I hope that God continues to rain his, uh, his glory upon your mission and what you do. Aww. And thank continue you. your great work. Thank, thank you, you, Dr. So Caparucci. That means a lot. We're going to close this episode out the way that we close all of our episodes. And that's by asking you this question. Rewind back to your first couple years of marriage. How long have you been married now? Uh, 27 years, 27 years, rewind back to those first couple years. What advice do you wish you would have received? And then fill in the blank, dear young married couple. You know, what I wish I would have received is something that we've been talking about here today. And that is understanding that my expectations don't always match with hers. And if I would have known what hers were, if she would have known what mine were, probably would have saved up a lot of grief in the early stages. But once we did be able to come together and start to look at those and explore those, we still do that now today. Mm-hmm. Because what happens, your expectations change at different times. So mm-hmm. that me, I think that is probably a big key that people need to really be focused on. Love it. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Dr. Caparucci. You know, it can be really hard to know what steps to take when trust has been broken in your marriage. Did you know that there are actually five steps for you and five steps for your spouse when trust has been broken, regardless of who broke trust? Remember, time doesn't heal. Action over time does. There are a ton of potholes on this journey, and we've worked with thousands of people. So please don't do it without getting some help. Follow the link in the show notes to get those steps for when trust has been broken. And if you want some personal help, you can also shoot us a text, 916-678-1797. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.